Welcome to the Hatch and Curiosity podcast, where homeschooling families cultivate innovation through curiosity, creativity, and critical thinking. I'm your host, Christina Hatch. You're listening to Episode 5, Nature Study Beyond the Nature Journal, the third in a three-part Intro to Nature Study series. So far, we've covered why you should include a nature study habit in your homeschool, how to start a nature journal, overcome objections, and the method of nature study. Today, we're going to cover Nature Study Beyond the Nature Journal in our third and final episode of the Intro to Nature Study series. I know we will cover nature study in episodes to come, but I wanted to give you some stepping stones in case you were curious about how to incorporate this concept into your home. While nature journals are the first thing that comes to mind for most people when thinking of starting a nature study and are certainly a valuable tool for the process, they're not the only resource when it comes to this subject. Nature study is to study nature which if you think about it is actually a very broad topic. We are studying the world, how living organisms work and interact with their environment, how the environment shapes our landscape, experiences, and perspectives. It lays the groundwork for geography and science while also helping us to feel connected to our home by knowing the local flora and fauna and becoming familiar with its landscape. There are many topics easily combined with nature study. One activity mentioned by Charlotte Mason specifically is a geog walk, or a geography walk. They're a great way to introduce concepts like rivers by carefully observing a nearby stream. Children get a concept of how canyons are formed when they have to climb down into the ravine to get closer to the stream. Seeing hills on the playground help lay the foundation for understanding what a mountain is and can be a great point of reference when comparing distances and sizes of other landmarks. Walking around your neighborhood, you can introduce streets, blocks, and cities in a living way, and then you can map them together, showing how maps visually represent real places. Knowing where they live helps connect their understanding of the world at large. Another topic that lies perfectly with nature study is literature. Aside from being able to read anything out loud when you're outside, many poems, symbols, and metaphors focused around nature. So by understanding nature more fully, You'll get the depth and meaning of literature as you come across these things. Another way to incorporate literature is with living nature books. When you add them to your read aloud rotation, you spark interest and help the kids make organic connections about the real world. As mentioned before, drawing instruction as a separate lesson will help and be reinforced by their nature journal. And just like literature, understanding the natural world will help them make connections with the visual arts as you study landscape paintings in their artist study. If they have an intimate understanding of the quiet, cold days of winter, then they will be able to relive their experiences and apply them to the books and art that they see that show quiet, cold landscape, making these expressions all the more vibrant and real in their minds. Biology, geology, physics, and basically any kind of science can be demonstrated, applied, or observed in nature. That's how science works. Science is essentially the study of our natural world. When you observe, record, and question nature, you're laying the foundation for doing science later. It almost goes without saying that natural history, or the study of tree trunks, coral reefs, geology, glaciology, fossils, is done outside. We learn that we can learn from the past by looking at evidence left behind, which is foundational for the study of history. There is so much beautiful math outside, with symmetry, counting, patterns, measuring, charting, statistics, biomimicry, and more. I feel that mathematical education is not complete until it is applied. 
I was one of those kids who did not like math. I struggled with it in late elementary and just kind of fell behind my peers. I got through math instead of enjoying it and considered it a necessary evil. Then when I was an adult, I watched a documentary on Netflix called The Story of Maths, which is a cross between history and math. That showed the evolution of math throughout history and some of its amazing applications. This led to other documentaries being recommended on Netflix that unfolded the beauty of math all around us. For the first time, I was excited to teach my kids math and wanted to share this love and beauty with them as I taught them the practical skills. When math gets hard, I try to help them see it as a fun challenge or a puzzle or unlocking a mystery. When there are real life applications for something they are working on, we get out and do it. This helps them see the practical use for math as well as the fun and the beauty of it. Seeing the patterns of the tessellations in the beehives or the symmetry in the leaves helps them to look for patterns in other places. Lastly, gardening is a great subject if you want to call it that. It can help you understand plants, animals, life cycles, soil, and man's relation to nature. There are proven benefits to your brain chemistry when you get your hands dirty. Kids who grow their own vegetables are more likely to eat them because they are invested in the process. Planning, weeding, watering, troubleshooting, and harvesting also provides mathematical and writing connections, as well as teaching patience, endurance, work, handling disappointment, and offering many opportunities for learning through parables. I boldly say that having a garden is one of the best things you can do for a child's education. It combines the beauty of nature study with the character-building benefits of work and the mental exercise of planning and following through on a project. Aside from combining other subjects with nature study, you can do nature study by researching a natural subject thoroughly. Perhaps you become a bird-watching family, where you know the names and habits of all the local birds and get excited when you find rare ones together. You have shelves of books about birds and take birding vacations together. You may not have a comprehensive understanding of nature because you dive so deeply into ornithology, but having a comprehensive education is a myth anyway. If you study nature in this way, you'll have a shared experience to bond over, know how to research, and most importantly, spark a love of learning. Another way you can study nature is to keep photographic journal of local plants. Take pictures together of wildflowers in the spring, press samples, diagram their anatomy, and look up what you can about them in field guides after identifying them with apps like Seek or iNaturalist. You can even make your family's own field guide by compiling what you know about each flower into a book made on Shutterfly or a similar book building website. It's similar to having a deep passion like the bird example, but the difference is using photography as the main tool instead of journaling and recording local observations on something of current interest. This is a great way to do a nature study unit or project. Then set it aside and come back to it if you don't want to make nature study a permanent part of your routines. Whereas with the birds, it was all about research and having a shared passion over time. You can try ecotourism. Instead of planning your next trip to Disney, look at vacation destinations that focus on the natural beauty of the places you visit. National parks are a great source for this, but you could go as far as seeing the natural wonders of the world on each continent, or as simple as camping more. Travel can be the best education, so choosing to travel in nature builds memories and connections that will last a lifetime. It might be fun to start or join a naturalist club where you get together every week at different locations to discover the plants and animals together. You can take turns teaching mini lessons or leading the hike. 
If you have older children, you can participate in citizen science. When you find a butterfly with a tag, you can go online and record its location or count swallows in a nearby field to help local scientists track populations and migrations. Together, you can learn about edible herbs and herbal remedies or how to identify edible berries. At the very least, it would be helpful to know how to identify poisonous plants. You can even just take bites at it. For example, you can print off something about butterflies one day and do a craft about butterflies. You could include a nature poem in your copywork about a mountain and then take a Sunday drive to go see the mountains. You can have your kids do a scavenger hunt outside or use the app Starwalk 2 the next time you're outside to identify some constellations. Really, the ways you can include nature study in your homeschool are endless. As long as you are consciously trying to allow your kids to experience and learn from the outdoors, you're doing nature study. That said, there are things that go a long way to making your experience outdoors more positive and productive. One of my favorite Scandinavian sayings is, there is no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes. Dress appropriately for the conditions and you'll feel more confident in getting out into places that you wouldn't otherwise venture. Ocean-friendly sunscreen, bug repellent, galoshes, rain jackets, underlayers can all make the biggest difference in how long the kids will last outside. Some of my favorite finds have been Baffin boots, which are crazy expensive, but the only boots that could stand up to hiking in Alaskan winters with little ones. And I've heard that Oki rain suits for kids are the way to go to keep them covered from head to toe. We also love to bring small backpacks so they can pack their own water bottles, nature journals, the occasional toy dinosaur, and trail mix. Keeping them protected from the elements, hydrated and fed, are critical to the success of your trip. I often get the question, what about nature study in the winter? I personally feel like winter hikes can be some of the most magical, peaceful hikes out there. Yet, it can be hard to imagine how much nature study will take place in such a sleepy season. Some ideas for winter nature study include looking for animal tracks in fresh snow, which I find is the best time to go track hunting since they show them more crisply and clearly than in mud. Watching tree branches for the first buds of spring, which you will be surprised when you look at how early they start to show up. Tracking trees or gardens over time. Studying snowflakes frost, or icicles. Did you know that the Inuit people have more than 52 different words for snow? Each of these words have a nuanced meaning. Notice how the snow behaves differently when it's fresh, after a warm spell, when it's 20 below zero. By the end of winter, you'll be able to tell what the temperatures are like or have been just by looking outside. You can formally track the weather, cloud watch, study moon phases, constellations, or spend more time on drawing instruction from animal books, or do nature study inside with pets and plants. One of my favorite things to do in the winter is to put a bird feeder right outside the window because the birds love to come to the feeders in the wintertime when food is scarce, and it can provide hours of entertainment. You'll get to know the individual birds that live close to your home, and it's like having a pet that you don't have to take care of inside your house. Or you could always not do nature study in the winter. A seasonal nature study is better than no nature study at all. Just make it happen. If you'd like to make the habit but getting outside doesn't come naturally for you, put it on a schedule. Find two or three spots that are near your home, like a trail, a park, and a pond, so they're a little bit different from each other, and rotate between them so you don't have the burden of choosing each time you get ready to leave. 
keep their backpacks by the door. I actually have those little hooks that you can get anywhere basically. And I have three of them lined up right underneath my key hook so that we can keep their backpacks loaded and ready. When you get home from an outing, replace the trail mix, wash their water bottles and put them back in the fridge, and make sure the nature journals end up back in the bags so you're not scrambling the day of. Commit to going outside regardless of the weather or have a list of backup plans to fill that time with instead, like a drawing lesson, window work, etc. View this as a valuable subject like math or reading, not just a field trip or extra if you have time. You need to make it a priority. The absolute best take-home point if you'd like nature study to become a part of your family culture comes from Anna Botsford Comstock and the Handbook of Nature Study. If the love of nature is in the teacher's heart, there is no danger. Such a teacher, no matter by what method, takes a child gently by the hand and walks with him in paths that lead to seeing and comprehending of what he may find beneath his feet or above his head. And these paths, whether they lead among the lowliest plants or whether to the stars, finally converge to bring the wanderer to the serene peace and hopeful faith that is the sure inheritance of all those who realize fully that they are walking units in this wonderful universe. Keep a nature journal yourself. Follow the TJ Ed mantra of inspire, not require. If they see you doing it, they will eagerly do it themselves because they see it as a grown-up and of value. Start with the topics that you're excited about. Maybe catalog butterflies or keep a rock collection together. Allow the beauty, peace, and wonder of nature to become a welcome and prioritized part of your day or week. I know that if you lead by example, not only will your children readily follow, but you will discover the power of this habit in your own life and have the blessings of serenity that comes from slowing down and smelling the roses. I hope you enjoyed this mini-series on nature study. Join me next week for my first interview on Inspire, Not Require, and be sure to follow me on Instagram for more nature study and geography inspiration. Until then, stay curious.